Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. The following program is a production of the Barroom Network. It is intended for all audiences. Doug Buffoon. This defense sucks. This is moronic. John Buffoon. If your best run plays are coming off end arounds, there's a problem. Doug was behind the microphone first. He never held back. Very difficult to score when your offense is on the bench. When your defense is out there giving up 70, 80, 70, 64-yard drives. Now, it's his nephew, John. And there's no holding this buffoon back either. An offensive-minded coach that's running an offense that got nine yards and a half. A beaten-up defense that isn't necessarily performing in key situations. I've had it! I have had it! I want somebody to get kicked in the ass! How many games can you rattle off that involve the team running the ball seven times and they win? I can't think of any. I don't mind you getting beat. I got my ass whipped many times. But I tell you, I took somebody down with me. Because Bears fans wanted to believe in the worst way that Chicago had a stable, competitive franchise. And this is what we got. It's Buffone 55, the John Buffone Show. Hello and welcome to another edition of Buffone 55, a fast-paced approach at breaking down the Chicago Bears. I am your host, John Buffone, and once again, filling in for Alyssa Barbieri is Aldo Gondia. Of course, our continued thoughts are with Alyssa as she continues to tend to some family issues. But Aldo, three weeks in a row, how's your back? How are your hips? You okay, buddy? This is this <laughs> The workload is unbelievable, John. <laughs> but this one tonight is a special one, so I can handle it, man. This is going to be a great show. A lot of good stuff to break down, not just the game itself with the Las Vegas Raiders, but a lot of big news. Justin Fields, the starter for the Bears moving forward, something that we did not think we were going to hear in the foreseeable future, but we're going to break all of that down. We have a great guest lined up to help us better understand the Las Vegas Raiders, a team that started out the year 3-0, and uh, but just in case this is Someone's first time ever listening to Buffon 55. Aldo, I need you to give us a rundown because we're kind of changing the order a little bit tonight, but let them know how it works. That's right. To accommodate our guests, we are moving B55 to the first segment of the show, and that's where I ask John five questions, and he has 55 seconds to respond to each question. 55, of course, is in honor of John's uncle, Doug Buffone, who played 15 seasons for the Chicago Bears and was a boyhood hero of mine as well. And then we will go to uh, Buffone's Basement. That'll be a segment two where John and I will have an open discussion about all the hot topics affecting the Bears. And then in segment three, we've got a great guest lined up, your boy Q, who is the host of Locked on Raiders. 
He is going to be here and he's going to give us a detailed explanation about all of what's going on with the Las Vegas Raiders position by position. That's going to be really good. We had him on last year. He was a great guest. Oh, for sure. That's going to be, that's going to be a good interview. Yeah. So are you ready to do B55? I'm, I mean, I got to start right out of the gates here. I got to, I do, usually I get to warm up a little bit, but you know what? Let's go. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll risk a pulled hammy. Let's go. All right. So there was obviously something different about the Bears offense last Sunday against the Lions. It took some serious work for the Chicago media to finally pull it out of Matt Nagy at the press conference that Bill Lazor was calling a play. So John, do you believe that Matt Nagy will actually see this through and let Laser call the plays for the remainder of the season? <laughs> you got 55 seconds. Take it away. Although all I see is a little kid in the corner screaming, look at me, look at me. He is on this never-ending quest to prove that he is the Messiah of the Chicago Bears. It bothered him so much to acknowledge that the team played well with someone else calling plays. He needs to prove that it's his decision-making, his vision, his plan that's going to make this team succeed. And I guess I get it. He once again failed at the thing that he wants to be the best at. So he needs to legitimize his presence by reminding everyone that he's the head coach and nothing would get done without him. Yeah, Matt, we know. We're well aware of the effect you have on this football team. But why should I believe that he's actually going to stick with this? They played better under Lazer's play calling last year, and Nagy still took the duties uh, back anyway. So this is his show. It doesn't matter. I'm starting to believe he'd rather fail his way than succeed someone else's way. Boy, it's hard to argue with that point, with that uh, speculation, if you will, on your part, because he was really seeking credit Sunday right after the Bears. A huge win for the Chicago Bears organization, and he was simply seeking credit for a good portion of that press conference. It was one of the oddest, most awkward press conferences I've ever witnessed as a Chicago Bear fan. Would you, would you agree with that? hundred percent. If you have to tell everybody how important you are, you're not very important because he, he, he made it a point. He could have just, he could have stopped the answer at Bill called a great game. That's all you needed to say, but no, you got to tell everybody that it starts with me and I have a great opportunity to say, yes, I like this or no, I don't like that. And ultimately I'm the head coach. And as a head coach, it's important that I, I, I felt great. Nobody cares. Do you think anyone cares? Do you think if the Bears go out there and win a football game, I care that Matt Nagy was really vital in saying yes this way, no that way? Win the football game. You're the head coach. I don't care what you have your fingers in. I don't care what you're meddling in. You're the head freaking coach. We get it. You're the most important guy on the staff. You don't have to keep trying to legitimize that. Yep. Chubbs says that uh, he, he at least said all the right things today. So apparently he yeah, really who wrote it for him. <laughs> who wrote it for him? <laughs> that is right. All right. Let's go to question number two. Staying with the head coach, Matt Nagy. He said on Monday that if healthy, Andy Dalton remains the Bears starting quarterback. But that got totally sideswiped today when he announced that Justin Fields will be the starter moving forward. What do you think, Matt Nagy? Why do you think Matt Nagy had a change of heart? You got 55 seconds, my friend. 
I don't think Matt Nagy had a change of heart. I think someone up top or within the coaching staff said, hey, Matt, this ain't about you. Play the guy we invested a bunch of draft capital in, and we saw what he's capable of when he has a competent play caller. So step aside and let the adults work. Let's... what I think you're seeing is a head coach that was in panic mode. He's running out of things to control and he's running out of ways to prove that to everyone that he thinks on a different level. Look, he can't call plays anymore. So he needed to be the decider on personnel. And Andy Dalton was the guy he wanted in the off season. So he needed to be, that needed to be the guy that led the bears to victory in 2021, because honestly, who would it have benefited to have Andy Dalton back in there? It would have benefited Matt Nagy and Andy Dalton. Well, why would you do that to Justin Fields? Why mess up the chemistry he's building with the receivers? Why get rid of his first team reps? I'm glad somebody finally put their foot down and say, Matt, we're not going to eat your BS anymore. We got to try to do something different. You know, what's interesting is Jeremy Fowler over at ESPN reported that uh, there are still people inside of Hallis Hall who think that uh, Dalton gives the Bears the best chance to win. And so I I wanted to ask you that. Do you believe that Dalton gives the Bears a better chance to win than uh, Justin Fields, the rookie? No, because I think that if the Bears get behind, they need quick strike explosive points sometimes. Andy Dalton can't do that. Andy Dalton can sustain a drive. Andy Dalton can give you a good nine-play drive and get you a field goal. Andy Dalton can win you a game. But if the Bears are down 10 points in the fourth quarter or the Bears are down seven points late in the fourth quarter, do you want the guy who can flick the ball down the field 70 yards at Darnell Mooney and put it right in the button? Or do you want a guy that can keep hitting five-yard curls? I, I, I want I want Justin Fields for his mobile ability, that he can use his legs. I want him for his arm where he can throw it downfield. And we saw what he's capable of. We saw some of those incredible throws that I didn't see from Andy Dalton. I saw a kid that finally got a good game plan around him, finally got some first-team reps, and he shows that he can give the Bears the best chance. If you just keep shoving Andy Dalton down our throats and keep giving him first-team reps and stifling Justin Fields' progression as a rookie, then yeah, Andy Dalton might give you a better chance. But really, what chance is that? You invested it really heavily in this kid. Let him play out with his potential. Are the Bears Super Bowl contenders this year? I, I I don't think so. So let the so let the quarterback go through his progression, and the next year he can be a real superstar. Your good buddy Roy says only the lunch lady at the diner would think and say something like that. That <laughs> often gives them a better chance to win. Uh, one one good thing is that Justin Fields at his press conference today said that Andy Dalton called him yesterday because uh, both quarterbacks were informed of the decision yesterday. And that Andy called him and told him that he uh, to embrace this moment and he was going to support him. So that is great leadership and team uh, and sportsmanship uh, from Andy Dalton. So that's great to see. No, and I don't want this to. This is not a referendum referendum on Andy Dalton. I've been saying this since they signed Andy Dalton. I feel bad because Andy Dalton was going to get all the vitriol and all of the negative comments thrown at him from Bears fans. He's a nice guy. He seems to be a really good teammate. He's that Nick Foles-ish kind of guy, which they, if they already had Nick Foles, why'd they bring in another one? But anyway, that's neither here nor there. I, I don't want this to be about Andy Dalton. His character, He's a high-character guy. He's a professional. People like Andy Dalton. 
and gosh darn it, he's good enough. But uh, I just don't want him as a starting quarterback right now. Yeah, uh, what's what's the old SNL skit? I'm I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And gosh darn it, people like me. Is that is is that is that what? <laughs> listen, I I think Andy Dalton is a is a good dude to have in the locker room. That doesn't. There's a lot of good dudes that I don't want starting for the Chicago Bears though. So let's let's just try to differentiate the two. All right, we we will <laughs> and on your orders. <laughs> okay, question number three. Oh, boy, it looked like a tragedy was occurring. And right in front of my eyes, I was at Soldier Field late in the game. Running back David Montgomery was laying on the field, writhing in pain, grasping his knee. And preliminary tests indicate that Montgomery avoided an ACL tear. He will be out four to five weeks. Are you confident enough in the backs the Bears currently have on this roster? Or do you need to kick the tires on someone on the outside like Todd Gurley or uh, Marlon Mack. What do you think about those guys? The clock starts when you start. Look, I, I think they actually have the horses to hold down the fort until Montgomery gets back. Damian Williams showed a little shake and in, uh, in some movement with his opportunity, and it seems like that quad injury isn't going to be a big deal. Uh, that, 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 that guy can catch the ball and tote the ball between the tackles. And I think that uh, Khalil Herbert is a promising rookie that can hit the hole and really – make some plays. He's shown some flashes. He probably won't be in pass protection very much, but he has shown ability to run the football. Also, let's not forget, Tariq Cohen could potentially come back around week seven after he's off the pup list. That would be a much needed shot in the arm as well. Uh, I don't think they need to go to the scrap heap and look for a free agent that doesn't know the system. I certainly don't think they need to invest any more draft capital in trading for a rental player. They just use a six rounder on Jakeem Grant. So let's try to keep some draft picks for 2022. Uh, you can't replace David Montgomery, but you can use a collection of guys to try to hold serve until he's back. Yeah, my only worry with that is that the running game was just going so well with David, and he is so good at breaking tackles. Let's face mm -hmm. it, the offensive line is still in need of repair, but the great thing about David Montgomery is that he would be hit behind the line of scrimmage, and he still pick up positive yards. I'm not sure Damian Williams can do that kind of work, so we might be seeing more eye formations, more double and triple tight end formations just to help Damian Williams and, and Khalil Herbert to get that running game going. So again, you, you on Gurley and Mac and, and those guys, you say no, huh? No, I, I just don't think, because if Montgomery can be back in four or five weeks, you don't trade for somebody They're They're already, they're already out a first rounder next year and now a six rounder next year. Uh, but I, I think that, they can try to make it work with who they have. Maybe you see more J.P. Holton at fullback. Everyone's talking about how great of a blocker Cole Komet's turning into, so I guess that's what we're going to go with. And so he can potentially be in there for the run game. So uh, like like you said, Damian Williams is not David Montgomery. They don't have anyone with that skill set that can constantly break tackles. The running game is not going to be what it was with him in there. It's pretty, it's pretty obvious. But mm -hmm. uh, I think that they have some players in there that they can put in situations that can get them some yards. Yep. All we need is improved blocking, and that running game should shine. All right, let's go to question number four. Through four games, the Bears' defense appears to be improving. They lead the league in sacks and have kept the team in most games while the offense is finding its footing. So with that being said, who is your defensive MVP through four games, John Buffon? And the clock starts now. 
Oh, this is this might sound crazy, but maybe it doesn't sound crazy. It, it's Robert Quinn. And if you would have told me back in August that Robert Quinn would be my defensive MVP in October, I would have asked, what's in your cup, buddy? Because... Look, I know I said Robert Quinn could be the bounce back player for the defense this year, but I kind of said that tongue in cheek because the bar was set so low from last year. But this guy has been possessed. He's getting off the snap so fast, getting around the edge and leads the team in sacks with four and a half. That's, by the way, double more than doubles last year's total. But he's a big reason why this defense continues to put pressure on the quarterback. A big reason why this team leads the league in sacks with 15. Credit Sean Desai for his scheme, but also give a ton of credit to Robert Quinn for not just taking the money and running. Dude could have just packed it in after last year and put it in cruise control, but he's out there actually earning his money, and maybe he isn't such an easy cut candidate come June of 2022. There you go. Uh, Roy wants you to reconsider. He's asking you to consider Eddie Jackson. <laughs> for what? <laughs> 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 but I, I don't think we're going to reconsider Eddie Jackson for MVP. We'll talk about taking the money and running. That's that, I don't. That's, that's, for, that's for a different. That's for a different show, different topic. But no. I, I, but you got to. Although you got to look at this defense. And say, wow, Robert Quinn is actually making a big impact on these games. That that pass rush with Khalil Mack is finally showing why they put so much money into that. Uh, you're finally seeing some dividends on that. Yeah, I did a Mia Copa on the uh, uh, Dan and Aldo show where, because I, I, I thought Quinn's career was just about over, but clearly it's not. And then when Quinn met the media Sunday after the game, he uh, openly said that yes, last year he was having some problems off the field. He sought advice from friends and family and spiritual counselors and so forth, and he got his issues uh, cleared up uh, and it doesn't matter what they are but he's just in a better space now and he looks tremendous it's like you said he was jumping off the line of, of scrimmage you tweeted that out uh, probably as, as fast or faster than anyone else so it's really good to see him playing primetime football man yeah, and you, what you're seeing is people feeding off that now. Khalil Mack getting getting in on the action and being able to put so much pressure on the quarterback is taking some of that pressure off of the DBs. Obviously, Jalen Johnson, you know, is a stud, but taking some of that pressure off of Kendall Vildor and, and Duke Shelley that's paramount because they're not going to have great games every week in and week out. But if the if the quarterback only has a second and a half to throw the ball, uh, it's going to make their jobs a lot easier as well. Excellent. All right, let's go to question number five. I'm really, really interested in hearing your response to this question. Now, despite our frustration through four games, the Bears have won games we anticipated they would win and lost games that we anticipated they would lose. Normally, we'd say the Bears played a quarter of the season already, but the extra game makes the math Way too hard for me, John. <laughs> but anyways, you said the Bears could top out at nine wins this season. Do you believe that possibility is still on the table? I'll turn the clock off, man, and I just want to hear what you have got to say. Oh, we should probably take a look at the schedule. Uh, call me Admirable Akbar because this feels like a trap. Uh, I did predict two and two up to this point, but we are coming up on the game that some people predicted would start a six-game losing streak for the Bears. So, and if you look over the schedule, they got Vegas this week, then Green Bay, then they're at Tampa, then San Francisco, then at Pittsburgh, uh, and then finally Baltimore after the bye week. That is a gauntlet. Look, I think they can beat Vegas, and I said before the season, they're going to beat Pittsburgh. They better beat Pittsburgh. But 
I can see them losing four of the next six games, which would ironically make them four and six. So then you look at the final seven games at Detroit. Okay, that could be a win. Then Arizona, which I thought could be a win before the season. And now they're number one in a lot of people's power rankings. And then at Green Bay, no. Home against Minnesota, maybe a win. Then at Seattle, don't love that. Uh, then home against the Giants and finish the, finish the season on the road at Minnesota. Now, a lot can change and, you know, fields could get red hot under lasers, play calling. And uh, this there's, it's still really early in the season, but unfortunately I'm starting to temper my expectations a little bit. I'm seeing more of seven and 10 and eight and nine rather than nine and eight. But that being said, there is potential. It is still really early in and every other year you would say we're only a quarter of the year into the season we're not even a quarter of the way into the season because they got an extra game this year so uh the season is nowhere near a wash quite yet the game against vegas though this is going to be important so we'll see how this plays out we're going to take a quick break we come back Aldo and i are heading down to buffon's basement you're listening to buffon 55 here on the ballroom network Barroom Network presents two fired up Bears fans. They are ready to rumble on the Bear Debate. Welcome back to Buffone 55 here on the Barroom Network. It's time to head to Buffone's basement where we get real casual in here. Although, I want to start off with some the biggest news of the day. Obviously, Justin Fields being named the starter for the Chicago Bears moving forward. Uh, I wanted to get your reaction on that because this is kind of not... Everyone was slamming the Bears and Matt Nagy earlier this week saying, how could you possibly say Andy Dalton when healthy is the starter? And then doing an about face and say, nah, never mind. We're putting the young kid in anyway. So what was your reaction to that news? I was a little bit surprised. I thought the, this whole guise of Dalton being the number one guy would still uh, continue for another week or two. But clearly there is something going on at Hallis Hall. I truly believe that last week after the horrific loss to the Cleveland Browns and the team had all of these meetings, that a lot of fingers were being pointed at Matt Nagy, not only for his play calling, not only for uh, his leadership, but also because he was playing this uh, game of Dalton being the number one quarterback and it was impacting the locker room. And so I think that 
that was probably the biggest reason why this decision was made now and was made after the Tuesdays when they everybody gets together for meetings, the general manager, the coach, the coordinators and assistant coaches. I think the topic came up again, and there's, there, there's the possibility that the players' coaches are saying, we, Justin needs to be in. And if you're getting that kind of, of – pushback from the players even though they have a lot of respect for Andy Dalton the head coach better follow suit or have a really good reason why he is going to stick to his guns and have the red rifle shooting blanks or shooting whatever so I think that's really what's going on if I can add one other point I think that Bill Lazor could be leading this kind of revolt. I mean, he was the first one to say, Justin Fields is ready to go. He was ready to go out of training camp. And then he start, sort of again threw Matt Nagy under the bus with some of the play calling responses and how things are done and so forth. So it's a very awkward situation. There might be a power struggle going on at Hallis Hall. And if that's the case, Matt Nagy is losing it. You're right. And you, Bill Lazor was one of the first people to kind of give those subtle comments about how we maybe didn't agree with Justin Fields not being the starting quarterback and uh, and the play calling. But Bill Lazor needs to be the play caller for this football team. Matt Nagy should be the head coach of this football team. Well, I don't think he should be head coach, but he needs to act like the head coach of the, of the <laughs> Chicago Bears. And so there, this power struggle is BS because – let the guy who who put out a great play, game plan for Justin Fields, let him keep calling plays and quit talking about the collaboration. And you know what's you know what's great is that we all get together and we all do this. And here's a big bowl of word soup. Hope you don't choke on it. I just, dude, just be the head coach. That's all we're asking. Be the head coach. Do you think it makes you any less of a man that you're not the play caller? You, you, I mean, he might though. I mean, you're shaking your head, Aldo, and you're probably right. He does probably feel like if I'm not the head coach and the play caller, then I'm not doing it. He's gonna just gonna stomp his feet and get and take his ball and go home because they brought me in here to revolutionize the office and they won't let me be the play caller anymore. Blah 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 blah. They're being mean to me. I'm so tired of it. Just win the damn football game. So it's it. it I this power struggle. It, it, usually, I think the up, higher ups would have Matt Nagy's back. I think they're I think they're done having Matt Nagy's back. I think after that Cleveland game, you're right. People that normally would say, you know what, just let Matt Nagy t- uh, let him do his thing, are no longer saying that. They're saying, Matt, go out there, be an adult. And he he may have acted like an adult today, but he also had a PR person go out and clarify comments for him before. Do you guys remember that a couple weeks ago, where a PR person had to come out and clarify his comments? You don't think there's a PR person in his freaking ear before that saying, this is what you're gonna say, and if you don't, get the hell out of here. <laughs> Absolutely. The other thing about that Sunday press conference, uh, he was asked by one of the reporters, this has, has has had to be one of the toughest weeks of your career because, you know, people were talking about you and you were, you know, coming off that horrific loss to the Browns and a lot of people pointing fingers and so forth. And he had a somewhat uh, emotional response to that. He said, you know, during case times like this, you know who your friends are and you know who your friends are aren't and that i thought was very telling and if you saw the body language in matt nagy it clearly sounded to me like a guy who has gone through heck the last uh week or so uh, just you know, sometimes when you believe that you are really doing the right thing and that you're doing something that you're passionate about and everyone around you says 
you're wrong, that can really upset the apple, the internal apple cart, if you will. And I think that's what's been going on with him. I'm, uh, you know, Chubbs has been uh, in the chat room a number of times uh, giving praise to Matt Nagy. And this is somebody, Chubbs is somebody who's not a big fan of Matt Nagy, but giving praise to Matt Nagy for at least making the admission today and saying all the right things. So uh, perhaps Matt Nagy is going to take a step forward, let's hope, uh, and really become the head coach we'd love to see this team have. I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna get hurt like that again though, Aldo. Remember when he gave up play calling last year and we're like, oh wow, Matt Nagy finally putting his ego aside and letting Bill Lazor call the plays. That lasted what three weeks? And we're just supposed to just take this for take his word for what it is this week because they're holding his feet to the fire again. It took a six-game losing streak last year, and the, the team on the verge of collapse for him to put his ego aside and be an adult and do the right thing. He didn't do the right thing because he wanted to, he had to. And I think he I think it's the same situation this year. He has to. And who who's to say that in three weeks you don't see Matt Nagy poking his poking his nose back into that Denny's menu, saying, "Oh no no no, we gotta go with the Grand Slam. F the, uh, the forget the uh, the uh, moon over Miami. We gotta go with this." No, it's I don't. I, you can't trust somebody who has shown you that he can't be trusted. I, I I'm not gonna just keep just saying, "Oh well, he stepped up and he did the right thing." Okay, but that you can say that. Don't tell me. Show me. Show me. And then I'll then I'll then I'll believe that you're being the adult. You can say, and he's really good at just talking. He we've known time and time again, he's really good at talking. He can say this and he can say that, and we collaborate and we do all this and we do all that. Show me. Show me. I don't care about what you say anymore. Well, we do care about what our next guest is going to say. I gotta tell you, when we had him on two years ago before the London game. I was so impressed with his analysis, and I sent him a message and say, I've been in this business of broadcasting and radio and television since, oh my goodness, I hate to say it, but since the 1970s, I've been earning a buck at this, and this guy is really good at what he does. He's a future star. It's all yours, John, your boy Q and John. Uh, take it away, guys. Hey, Q, how you doing, buddy? Appreciate you being on. Absolutely, man. Thank you. After that kind of introduction, man, I, I appreciate being on. And I'll tell you this, I'm a big fan of Moons Over Miami. So that, that took me back. I might go eat at Denny's tonight now. Yeah, I, we're trying everything we can to get a sponsorship around here. So if I got to if I got to work it into a if I got to work it into a bit, I got to do what I got to do. There you go. <laughs> All right, Q, I want to talk about this upcoming Vegas game. And because I feel like this is kind of a pivotal game, not just for the Bears, but potentially for the Raiders as well, because yeah. they started off the season. 3-0, and a lot of people were let down with that performance on Monday night against the Chargers. So what can you say about this team? Are they capable or living up to those expectations that 3-0 and brought with them, or are they going to come back to reality and they're just going to be a middle-of-the-pack team? What, what are expectations over in Vegas right now? Well, you know, that's actually been the conversation. That's a great question, and that's something we won't have the answer to until we see it on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium. You know, I mean, I think a character of this team is going to be – told by how they bounced back. I mean, they were embarrassed, as you mentioned, man. Monday night was not a good showing. Uh, the Chargers had their way with them. Joey Bosa came away talking a little trash about the quarterback, and that's fine. I mean, it's football, whatever. No feelings hurt. It's just get back on the horse and do it. But, you know, teams of, of, of the past for the Raiders have allowed games to beat them twice. Like, one loss will beat them twice. Last year against Kansas City, perfect example, Sunday night football, they lost. And then all of a sudden it was like, bing, bing, bing. It was like a snowball effect. 
Can this team flush it on a short week, throw it away, and then get back out there and get back to winning ways? And oh, by the way, uh, a guy that used to be uh, in your locker room and Khalil Mack is coming back to town. Derek Carr's buddy talked about him great in uh, great detail today in the media session. I mean, there's a lot of emotions at stake in this game. Of course, the Raiders don't want to get embarrassed by Khalil. And of course, Khalil wants to embarrass the Raiders. I mean, there's so many things that are going to play a factor in this game. But I think you hit it on the head. That's the theme of the game and the day. Can the Raiders bounce back and be that 3-0 and team, or was that a mirage? And are they really, like you mentioned, a middle-of-the-pack team? I think the Raiders are – maybe it's maybe it's either or, but the Raiders are a great encapsulation of their quarterback, or their quarterback is a great encapsulation of the team. Because for years, when John Gruden got brought in, they say, I don't know if Derek Carr is his guy. I don't know, right. if, this is the, I don't know if this is the quarterback he wants. I think he likes Mariota. I think that's where they're going to go. So what is the feeling with, with Carr right now? Is he finally, quote – John Gruden's quarterback is he is he ingrained into the Raiders starting quarterback position or what's his status with the Raiders he's the guy there's no question about it now I'll say this his contract is going to be coming up pretty soon so they got to make a decision on what they want to do as far as how much they want to pay him but John Gruden's system is very difficult to understand it's not something that a rookie is going to go in there and just pick up and there's not a guy out there that hey let's go make a move uh you know for I don't I don't see them in the walls there in Henderson saying that that that's a possibility uh Derek Carr's been with Gruden now four years he's continued to get better each and every year uh it was funny just three days ago four days ago before the debacle in LA against the Chargers there was Raider fans calling the radio station and calling my podcast saying hey this guy's in line to be the MVP he's an MVP Derek Carr then all of a sudden one bad game and it's like get rid of him he stinks you know it's like it's so funny how the ebbs and flows go of a rate of you know of a, of a regular football season. Uh, the emotions are so high. Uh, I, I just think that it's time for him to get back on the horse and go out there and play a game against a very tough opponent with a really strong defense. And they're playing at home. Chicago Bears fans travel well, as you know. Uh, plus, there's a lot of Bears fans here in Las Vegas. So I mean, it's going to be uh, a heck of an environment. Uh, I'm not saying that the Bears fans are going to overpower the Raider fans. I don't see that happening as a guy that's been in Allegiant Stadium multiple times this year. Uh, Raider Nation is very loud and proud, but I know that uh, the Bears fans will will represent. So it's going to be a heck of an environment. Uh, Derek Carr, without a doubt, is the guy. I mean, and, and he's the one who makes everything go. Uh, he's he's the coach on the field as far as John Gruden's offense. He knows what Gruden's looking for. And and he's playing really good ball, by the way. You know, if, if it was for uh, having a, b- a better offensive line play in the first half, that game might not be the same way that it was on, on Monday night. And you saw he even made a comeback in the second half, just fell a little short. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with what I'm seeing. And I feel like the coaching staff is pretty pleased with what they're seeing as well. You brought up the atmosphere in Vegas, and, and I ask this question with all sincerity just because the team hasn't been around uh, that long. But right. is there a is there an actual big time home field advantage in Vegas? Because you know a lot of that a lot of that time you go to Vegas and you just see what's in town that week. And you're like, right. oh great, so and so is playing over here. Oh, there's a Raider game or whatever. So is there an actual big time Raider Nation that shows up and makes that? Now it's nothing, probably nothing like the LA Chargers where every every game's an away game for them. But in, in Vegas, uh, as soon as the schedules came out, a lot of Bears fans ran to Twitter saying, oh, we're in Vegas this year. Getting right. my tickets. Getting my tickets. Is every Wants, everybody wants to go to Vegas. Everybody wants right. to make a. Everyone wants to make a, a weekend out of it. So, what is the atmosphere like, and is there a true home field advantage there for the Raiders? 
Yeah, no doubt about it. That's a great question. And that's something that a lot of Raider fans wondered before it ever got started, before they actually saw it. And then unfortunately, last year, as we all know, you didn't see it at all because of COVID. So that was a big mystery. Is it going to be a big Raider Nation there? Well, I'm here to tell you that Raider Nation is there. They're loud and they're proud. And they get into town early if they're not from town. And if they are from town, then they're there. You know, they're excited about the the team. They're excited about what they've seen so far. They've had two overtime games uh, that have gone down to the wire while they're there, uh, which, you know, is heart attack central. But either way, when they come out with a victory, of course, you love it. So, uh, it, it's it's been a lot of fun on my radio show. I actually have a lot of people from town that call in and some are Steeler fans, some are Niner fans, some are other teams fans. And they're saying, you know, look, I enjoy this this team being here in town. I'm slowly but surely coming over to the silver and black. I'm going to be there on Sunday or I was there on Sunday. And so uh, I think that even from a fan from like fans that weren't necessarily Raider fans because they have uh, embraced the community as well as they have. And I mean, when I say embrace the community, they've gone to the high schools, they've gone to the colleges, they've gone everywhere trying to be a factor and try to be a player in the community. I think that was smart. And uh, yeah, so they're fully embraced uh, here in Las Vegas. And yeah, they'll, they'll be Bears fans there, just like Miami Dolphin fans. They traveled well. They were there. They were loud. You can hear them on the broadcast. But it was nothing like third and long when the Raiders were on defense. All of a sudden, you hear the roar of the crowd. You got Bruce Buffer firing up the crowd before this game even gets started. I mean, it's I'll tell you this. It's Las Vegas. You know, there's no <laughs> mistaking. It's Las Vegas. There's a show every single week. But then you sprinkle in L.A., you sprinkle in the Bay, you sprinkle in fans from all over. It, it's a it's a great event, and it's 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 exactly that, an event each and every home game. Yeah, whether they're in Oakland or L.A. or in Vegas, yeah. the Raider Nation uh, travels well, and they, they have staked their claim in a, in a number of locations. So they're, they're, they right. got Raider fans all over the place. Uh, I want to talk about some of the weapons that they have on the receiving core because the, the Bears have been holding, pretty, holding up pretty well with their defensive backs. Uh, Duke Shelley playing pretty well in the slot, but some of that has to do with scheme. Kendall Bildor also playing pretty well. Jalen Johnson turning into a stud. But a kind of a mixed bag when it comes to the Raiders' wide receivers with uh, Henry Ruggs, uh, Hunter Renfro, and, and Brian Edwards. What can Bears fans expect? Because I think there's some differentiating skill sets within those wide receivers. Well, you know, it's funny. This is actually a year that all those guys are stepping up and playing in a major way. It used to be the Darren Waller show, and then Hunter Renfro would do some dirt uh, you know, underneath and come up on third down and make a big play here and there. But I'll tell you, man, Henry Ruggs from last year to this year, night and day. You know, he gained 13 pounds of muscle over the offseason. Derek Carr has been trusting him down the field. He's been coming up with some big-time plays. So uh, he's been uh, involved in the action early and often. Brian Edwards, he's been fun. He got a lot of training camp buzz. Even people were talking about, oh, he's he reminds me of T.O. and this and that. I'm not going to go there and say he's a Hall of Famer. But I'll say this, with his size and with him being healthy, he's a heck of a wide receiver. He catches his, the ball with his hands. You know what I mean? He's not a guy that lets it get to his body. He's got like vice grips and he catches it with his hands. So he does a great job with that. He's a weapon. Hunter Renfro is, I mean, he's a pro's pro. He even made a play basically on defense on Monday night. That was a, a heck of a play, a pass, a, a breakup of a, not a trick play, but just a blown assignment by the Raiders. He came up and, and diagnosed it and, and broke it up. Football player. He's just a smart football player. And then Darren Waller, of course, you know, he's, he's that guy. So uh, yeah, the, the, the beautiful thing about the Raiders offense this year, if, Derek Carr has the time to actually throw the ball uh, like he did not have in the first half of the Monday night football game. There's so many guys that could beat you. You know, it's not just one guy that you can key in on. It's it's all those guys. They all have play a role. So um, I think that with the the work that they did in the training camp to 
to develop that trust. Derek Carr talks about it all the time. I trust those guys. I can throw the 50-50 ball and go and believe that Henry Ruggs is going to beat a guy. And I believe that Brian Edwards is going to beat a guy. Where before he didn't do that, so he just checked it down to a running back or forced it to Darren Waller or look for Hunter Renfro. Now he has those other two guys that, like I said, they're not all pros yet. They're not pro bowlers yet. They're not that, but they're improving. You see the improvement each and every week. So they're they're definitely a dangerous uh, receiving core right now for the silver and black. Moving over to the, to the run game, the Bears have given up spots of big runs and let some teams run on them throughout the season a little bit. Uh, also, uh, a mixed bag in, in the backfield. What do you got? Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, and even Peyton Barber back there contributing. Uh, what can the Bears fans expect out of the run game with the uh, with the Raiders? Well, uh, I think Raider Nation just their ears perked up when you said that the Bears have struggled against the run a little bit because, man, the Raiders haven't been able to run the ball. You know, they just haven't. And they went up against the Chargers last week. Chargers were giving up 170 yards on the ground and they got like 50. You know, I mean, it just they have not ran the ball very well. Josh Jacobs was banged up for two games. He was out. Uh, Peyton Barber actually filled a bigger role than Kenyon Drake, which was strange to me because Kenyon Drake was brought in to be the one-two punch with Josh Jacobs. He hasn't done very well as far as running through the uh, between the tackles and and blocking. He hasn't done a very good job blocking. Now he catches the ball in the backfield really well. Uh, he's been that guy. So you can kind of get extended run plays out of out of the you know the short passing game, but that's not necessarily exactly what he was brought in to do. Peyton Barber's got a a, a slight turf toe injury right now, so he probably won't play. Josh Jacobs is trying to work himself back into form. So there's a lot of factors that play into it, but their their run game has been it's been poor, you know, just to, to, to just put it bluntly. It just has not been what it's supposed to be. Um, they are trying to get it started. They need to get it started with everything Derek Carr is doing. It'll be that much better if they can get that run game going. But as of yet, it hasn't really happened. That time will tell, and we'll see on Sunday. I want to switch sides of the ball now because Bears fans are just yearning to see what this uh, Justin Fields offense is going to look in its second week under yeah. Bill Lazor calling plays, hopefully, for the for the uh, <laughs> remainder of the season. But right. uh, what does the pass attack, or I should say the pass rush, look like for the Raiders? Nine sacks so far this year. Plenty of names and some talent on that line. Uh, will Justin Fields be under some duress this year? Uh, this season? Uh, oh, my God, this Sunday. Yeah, he should. He really should. And the Raiders are getting home a lot of times with their front four. You know, Gus Bradley doesn't like to blitz that much. Now, he will. He'll call the blitz. He'll dial it up. Sometimes it'll be a corner blitz as well. But, um, yeah, uh, Max Crosby, he's been, I mean, just phenomenal. You know, now he doesn't have the necessarily like the sack numbers where he's leading the league or anything, but he's back there consistently pressuring the quarterback. He's always around the quarterback. Unique Ngakwe, he's not even 100%, and he's around the quarterback a lot. Uh, you know, and then they got guys in the middle, and that's really – What's so important last week, Darius Phylon against Justin Herbert got a couple sacks uh, from the, you know, kind of up the gut. And, and that's where they've struggled for the longest is getting that interior push. They're getting that now. They're getting a, a Max Crosby that's faster than he was last year. His rookie year, 10 sacks. He was a, a phenomenal fourth round pick out of Eastern Michigan. It's like, oh, man, this guy's going to be a stud. Second year, took a step back about seven, seven sacks. This year, man, he just looks like he's firing off out of a cannon. He just looks so fast. So he's been a a, a great, pleasant – I don't want to say surprise because you knew he had it in him, but he's been really stepping up. So he's become a leader of this defensive line. I think that um, – I think that they're they're going to continue to get that pressure. Uh, and, the, and the defense in general is a lot better than what we as fans have seen for 
years, really. I mean, even going back to 2016, the last time they made the playoffs, when they had Khalil Mack, they were not really a good defense, but they created a bunch of turnovers. This year, they're a really good defense under Gus Bradley, and so that's that's been nice to see. Last week, they got gashed by the run. Uh, Austin Eckler for the Chargers was able to run the ball on them a lot, but I think that they cleaned that up, and you'll see them really give their offense an opportunity to, to make some big plays and get the ball back for them at opportunity. So I think Justin Fields now – He's going to be on the run a little bit, but that's what he does really well. So, I mean, I'll tell you this. I actually kind of was hoping Andy Dalton was going to get the start just because at least you know he's not going to run around the yard, worst-case scenario. But here we are. It's, uh, you know, it's a couple days away from the game, and now Justin Fields is the guy, which obviously that was going to happen at some point. And for Bears fans, I know that you know very well everyone's happy. Yeah, it seems like everyone in the league wanted Andy Dalton to be the starter, uh, so for one reason or another. But uh, you talk about the run defense, how they stepped up a little bit. The Bears are going to be without David Montgomery for at least the next four to five weeks. They're using kind of a carousel there with Damian Williams and possibly Khalil Herbert, the rookie. Uh, Are there going to be opportunities for the Bears to run, much like you, you you talk about Austin Eckler doing? There is, I think, just because the Raiders, like I said, struggled on Monday night, but they've been doing pretty well against the run. I mean, they, they really have. Again, their defense in general has been playing some pretty good balls. So I think that that was more of a one-off type game where he just kind of gashed them a lot. I think he went for 130 yards. That's just not what, what the Raiders have been doing, have been allowing that. Um, I just think that they were out there on the field so much that they were just gassed and, and just exhausted, and he just went off on them. But uh, I think you'll see the, the Raiders get back to a strong run defense and a strong defense in general. Uh, But they're still, you know, nobody's perfect. They're not going to be lights out. They're not, you know, the 85 bears. They're not, you know, it's not like that. I don't want to try to uh, fool anybody. They're, they're good. They're serviceable and they're, they're playing complimentary football. So yeah, I mean, there'll be times where the bears, I think will have good opportunities to make some moves, but losing David Montgomery for any amount of time, I think is a big deal. That guy was a stud at Iowa state. I was a big fan of his then. And uh, he, he, to me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. He seems like a Chicago bear. I mean, he just seems like the mold of what a Chicago bear running back should look like at least in 2021. That's David Montgomery. Dude never goes down on first contact, always keeps churning. He is the epitome of Chicago Bears football, and we hope that he gets back sooner uh, rather than later. Uh, But last question for you before I send you over to Aldo. I want to know know a little bit about these DBs for Vegas because we saw the Bears for the first time throw the ball down the field a little bit with some uh, extending the field with Darnell Mooney getting Allen Robinson involved. They got speed, speed, speed with Marquise Goodwin, uh, Demir Bird as well. Uh, Are there going to be opportunities to go down the field? Yeah, you know, the, the question I have is who's going to be the DBs that are going to be out there? That's really my biggest question. Casey Hayward, the the longtime veteran in the league, he's playing really good ball. I mean, he's been great for the Raiders this year. One of the better DBs in the league, statistically, pro football focus and all that good stuff. He's been one of the best. Now, the other side is what I'm questioning. Trayvon Mullen, he left the game after about six snaps on Monday. He was carted off. He's got a foot injury. It hasn't been updated as far as how long he's going to be out. John Gruden did, uh, you know, he did kind of mention on Tuesday that there's some fear that there's guys that are going to be out for a long term. Uh, And when I think about that, I think of Trayvon Mullen, I think of Damon Arnett. Damon Arnett left the game after about 20 snaps with a groin injury. I'll say this, he's been bad anyway. So if he's out there, then then the Bears would probably take advantage. They would look for him and say, where's he at? Let's throw at him. You know, I mean, that's just, he's just been bad. There's a reason why he's coming off the bench. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, goofing on him i'm just being real like hey man he's just not playing good ball nate hobbs i'm sure you guys are very familiar with nate hobbs uh, being a guy out of uh, out of illinois played for lubby smith in, uh, in in school he was a fifth round pick he's been playing some good ball i do like what he brings to the table as a rookie he doesn't seem like he's a rookie uh he's been playing playing the slot a lot but 
Uh, there's a chance he could kick outside if, if they need him. And then Amik Robertson came in. He's a little bit smaller, but he went up against Mike Williams and he held his own. So uh, he doesn't have the size, but he's got the dog in him. So I think that, you know, between Casey Hayward and Amik Robertson and Nate Hobbs, those are good starters to say. But as far as depth goes, they don't really have any right now. You know, so it's it's really kind of you know, pick your poison. There's not really a whole lot of depth on the team in general, a lot of injuries right now. And so that secondary is really banged up. Trayvon Merrick, the safety is a, is a rookie second round pick out of TCU. And then John Abrams really playing that cam chancellor role up in the, in the box playing near the line of scrimmage. He's real physical and he's really good at that. He's played a really good season. Uh, I think he found his little, you know, where he should be on the field, Gus Bradley and them. They were able to figure that out. He's played well, and Trayvon Merrick, as I said, is a rookie, so he's kind of just working his way into it. So there's there's opportunities for sure to uh, to get off uh, on the secondary if uh, Justin Fields has some time to throw the ball. That's what I like to hear. I think a lot of Bears fans like hearing that as well. I think we got a better grip on what this Vegas team brings to the table. Aldo, before we let your boy Q go, do you got any follow-up questions for him? I do. A lot of uh, chatter in the chat room about the Raiders offensive line. We understand that there's some injuries involved and that the only player who has been consistently good is the left tackle Colton Miller, who I met at the senior bowl. What what a massive human being that guy is. And I suspect that he was going to be a good pro. But outside of him, tell us what's going on with this Bears offensive line. John Gruden, I think, said yesterday, or I think it was yesterday, he said that it's not time to push the panic button yet, but some people might be, huh? Yeah, I'll tell you this. Raider Nation is definitely hitting the panic button because of what they saw on uh, on Monday night. You know, the offensive line didn't play very well. Uh, they have a, a not a rookie, but they have a, a, a brand new starter at the center position, Andre James, an undrafted guy out of uh, UCLA. Uh, then they had a, a right guard that they were excited about in Denzel Good. First game of the season, he goes down with a torn ACL. So now that's kind of been a rotating door on who's filling that void there. And it just hasn't been great. And then they got a rookie right tackle at Alex Leatherwood that who knows by Sunday might be playing right guard. I mean, it's just it's kind of been a. a, a like a puzzle piece that Tom Cable's been trying to put together and it hasn't necessarily worked out the way he wants it to work out. Richie Incognito, he was supposed to be the left guard. He hasn't been there at all, all season. So they got a fourth round pick out of Clemson just a couple seasons ago, John Simpson holding it down. And I mean, if you look at the pro football focus grades and I'll tell you, I don't, I don't, my end all be all is not pro football focus, but it gives you a good idea. Every one of their grades outside of Colton Miller was, D or, or an F, you know, I mean, it was just bad. 48, 38, 33, you know what I mean? Just terrible grades. They just, they're not playing well. They're not. And John Gruden said it, don't hit the panic button, but they also have to, they have to exhaust every option to try to get this thing to be better. Their offense could be really good, but if you can't blo uh, block, you guys know it all, it's about the trenches. If you can't block, you're not going to be successful. So it's going to be a huge test on Sunday for for the Raider Nation and, and, and for the Raiders offensive line in general, man. I, I think the Raider fan base is going to be on the edge of their seat thinking, oh, boy, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen here. And, and, you know, again, who knows if uh, Alex Leatherwood, the guy who was anointed as the right tackle the day they drafted him at number 17 overall, who knows if he's even going to be playing tackle on Sunday. He might be a guard. And then that kind of tells you where the team is, at least their offensive line. Yeah. You know, there was uh, this report by The Athletic months ago that the Raiders had inquired about Khalil Mack. What have you heard about that? Do you think there's uh, truth to that? And do Raider fans really miss Mack? And I'm assuming the organization misses him if they indeed were making inquiries to Mack's availability. 
Yeah, no, they definitely did. Uh, you know, Vic Tafer from the Athletic reported that, and Vic's one of the best in the business. So anything that he he writes out there, I believe, is true. And I, I don't see why wouldn't they? You know, I mean, I know, and you guys know that the Bears were in a bad cap situation, and so why not give it a shot? You know, the worst that the the Bears could say is no. <laughs> you know, like I mean, that's I've 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 always said you're guaranteed to miss a shot you don't take. So they took the shot. The Bears said no, and they went out and got Unique Ngakwe. So mm-hmm. that was kind of like their consolation prize. And I and I don't want to diminish what Ngakwe is. But I mean, I think that they did want Mac back, and and if they could get him, they were going to pull the trigger on him. It just didn't happen. Uh, they knew that they needed to address the pass rush. That has been a problem ever since Mac's been gone, and it was a slight problem when he was there. You know, he was the the lead dog, but there wasn't a whole lot of other. They brought Bruce Irvin in to be the other, and he really, yeah, he was okay. You know, so uh, they needed something. So they got, you know, they got Unique Ngakwe. He's been really good with Max Crosby. They've been a great one-two punch. Uh, again, they don't have necessarily the sack numbers, but they've generated a ton of pressure. And uh, quarterbacks that get pressure on them, they're going to make mistakes. And so uh, they've given the opportunity to the Raiders to make some plays. The pass rush has been uh, a pleasant surprise. Like I said, I, I thought Gus Bradley's defense was going to be good. I really did. I thought it was going to be a lot better than what, uh, you know, we as fans saw from Paul Gunther. I just didn't think it was going to be that good that quickly. And, I mean, they came out of the gates really good. So uh, I think they have just enough veterans that have played for Gus Bradley before to kind of know what he wants. And so that's helped out a lot, like Unique Ngakwe, uh, Casey Hayward, K.J. Wright, Denzel Perryman, you know, guys like that, Darius Phylon. You know, they just signed another young man off the Chargers uh, practice squad, a DB. He played for Gus Bradley as well. I mean, there's guys sprinkled throughout the – the, the defense that have played for Bradley. So they know what he's looking for. They know what he wants. And, and that's helped in a major way. So, yeah, I think the pass rush has been really good. And if your offensive line is a little leaky, and I know that the Bears isn't exactly where it wants to be, it could be a long day for Justin. Mm. My last question for you is um, Sean Desai, the Bears' new defensive coordinator, disciple of Vic Fangio, the uh, head coach of the Denver Broncos. And Fangio, of course, was the defensive coordinator here f- with Chicago. So I went back to look at some of the games between the Raiders and Broncos and saw that uh, not too long ago, The uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that the Raiders posted 59 points on Vic Fangio's defense. Is that correct? Or did, did I get that wrong? Was I? Was I oh, it's, uh, happened. it's happened. They've, they've had some against Vic Fangio before and I really man I'm telling you I respect the hell out of Vic Fangio I don't know why it took him so long to become a head coach in the league uh, and then I thought Denver was going to move on from him really quickly I'm glad that they gave him some extra time to get things to in place uh, so I, I, I really respect him and uh, I knew when he left Chicago I thought oh man uh, that's going to be a hit to the Bears and then he went to Denver and I was like great Great. That's just what the Raiders wanted <laughs> Vic Fangio in the division why not uh, he's, he's a hell of a defensive coordinator but yeah he's he's I mean, they've had success against him, but again, I mean, that's kind of, I, I don't really put that all on his scheme and his system. I put it on where he was at, um, you know, at what point in his career as a head coach he's been at. I just, I kind of feel like, you know, he's, he's, he's probably a lot better than that. And I, I, don't, I don't really put that on, on, you know, Chicago, which that's going to be a reference of what Chicago is going to look like. But uh, I love me some Vic Fangio, man. And if he ever decides to be a defensive coordinator and Gus Bradley doesn't work out, I think there's a spot in Vegas that he could definitely work out at. He's a great defensive mind. Excellent. Thanks. I think there will be a home for him in Chicago too, if it doesn't work out in Denver. <laughs> right. I think he'll, I think he'll have plenty of suitors. So, yeah, uh, but, uh, but we, we love ourselves and Vic Fangio as well. We hope it works out for him in Denver and we keep him out of the NFC if he's not going to be with the bears. So uh, your boy Q, uh, before we cut you loose, can you please let our listeners and viewers know where they can catch your stuff, where they can read your stuff or listen to you uh, any and interact with you on social media. 
Yeah, no doubt about it, man. Uh, my social media, I'm just on Twitter, at your boy Q254. It's funny, I, I live in Las Vegas. I'm on Las Vegas radio, but I still got the 254 on my Twitter account, which is uh, Central Texas area code. But hey, I mean, you know, it is what it is. I'm just going to ride it out. You know, it's, it's what I do. But yeah, you can find all my work. Uh, I put out my podcast, the Locked On Raiders podcast, every single morning. So you want to catch up on what's going on with the silver and black, you can check that out. And then I do Raider Nation Radio, 920 every afternoon, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So I'm always on the grind. I'm always working, putting out work. So uh, you can catch me up on me and see where I'm at uh, on my Twitter account. That's always that's always a tracking device. You can find me at your boy Q254. And I definitely appreciate y'all having me on the show again. You bet. Absolutely. Your boy Q, one of the best in the business, not just Raiders, but across the board. We love having you on. Thank you so much for taking some time and letting us know what the Bears are in store for against the Raiders this weekend. Absolutely, man. It should be a fun game on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium. So I appreciate you guys again, and uh, and good luck with the season. Just start it next week. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do our best, but we, we appreciate you. We'll talk to you down the road, your boy Q. Thank you so much. All right, brother. Appreciate you guys. Take care. All right, we'll be back with more Buffon 55 after this. The Barroom Network presents two fired-up Bears fans. They are ready to rumble on the Bear Debate. Back to Buffon 55. I think we all understand the Las Vegas Raiders a little bit better now. Thanks to your boy Q Aldo. That dude knows that team inside and out, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, he sure does. And I just really enjoy his style of how he uh, presents his analysis, his opinions, and so forth. He's a really good broadcaster. 100%. But we broke the basement into two parts today. We had a little halftime, but we're going to jump right back into it. We were talking about 
Justin Fields starting, and we're talking about Matt Nagy. I need to get away from the Matt Nagy talk for a little bit. I just these these veins <laughs> in my neck can't take it right now. So let's let's move over to Justin Fields and how excited we are that he is going to be the starter moving forward. Aldo, there's just so many things that he can do. That once again, I'm not here to just trash Andy Dalton because I think he's a good dude. But uh, there's just so many things that he's capable of that I don't think Andy Dalton is capable of. What kind of spark do you feel Justin Fields brings this team, not just this week, but moving forward? Yeah, well, I I think that the biggest spark is, is that he's going to create more explosive plays. You know, more than any other quarterback in recent memory, you know, Jay Cutler had his fair share of, of explosive plays, particularly when he had Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey as his receivers. And even Cutler's backup quarterback did very well with those guys. But we're going to see a return to those that era of explosive plays because he's just so good and so accurate at those deep passes. And that is so huge in today's NFL. You know, I think what a lot of coaches have kind of learned is that, you know, these little quick passes and, and getting, you know, four, five, six, seven yards on pass attempts isn't going to cut it because you're just going to run out of downs eventually. And so you need those 20, 30, 40 plus yard plays. And he delivered four of those on Sunday and only his second start. And that is outstanding. You know, so I think that is first and foremost. And secondly, just his speed, you know, when he was on that wildcat cat formation, he was lined up at, uh, at the left wide receiver spot. I really thought, wow, wouldn't it be cool if he went one-on-one, if, if whoever is, is at the wildcat position, wildcat position, wouldn't it be cool if they just told uh, Justin Fields, go deep, man, and go one-on-one yeah. with the corner? Uh, so he could provide all sorts of things with his legs. And uh, this is a new era in Chicago football. I'm so excited for him, for, for the Bears, Bears fans, and for Justin Fields. It's going to be great. Yeah, and I want to make it clear that I don't think anyone thinks that Justin Fields is going to go in there and Bears fans or – logical Bears fans are thinking that he's going to play perfect. There's not going to be any mistakes. This guy is going to be head and shoulders, just an elite quarterback. No, that's not what I've been saying. That's not what Aldo's been saying. That's not what any of us have been saying. There are going to be rookie mistakes. However, the good outweighs the bad. We've seen him fumble, yes, but he's really good at recovering his own fumbles, apparently. <laughs> yeah, um, but but and we we've seen him sail a couple passes that some people want to really, some people really just want to magnify a couple of these throws and be like, oh, look, he's ready. And they don't they don't pay attention to anything else. So uh, there are going to be growing pains. That was going to happen whether it was week two, week six week eight his first actual regular season nfl games there were going to be growing pains if it was week one next year it was going to happen because he had never taken a snap in the regular season uh, of the nfl or i should say had been a starter in the nfl so let's work it out now all of the greats had growing pains in rookie seasons sometimes even in their second seasons let's see it start now let's start watching the progression i don't think that we can just keep this guy in a in a glass jar and they're not doing this now but i think this idea of keeping him in a glass jar and thing now he's ready he is fully bloomed let's put him out there and he's going to be an elite top 5 quarterback the second he steps onto the field that's just not how human progression works right. you got to you got to put him out on the field and let him work through this stuff and let him make the mistakes and realize and, and i think one of his greatest attributes is i think he learns from his mistakes he sees what he did does wrong and he fixes it so mm-hmm. let's see what he does now 
it's not, he's not playing the Lions this week, so there might be some mistakes. He might have bad games this year. Mm-hmm. There could against Tampa Bay or against San Francisco, he could have a bad game. But that's not a reason to say, oh, I told you Dalton should be in there. No, you let him work through that. He's going to play good defenses in his career. Let him understand what it works. So uh, this whole bubble wrap approach, I just don't get. I I think that you got to let him play. He's obviously mentally ready. Uh, That's the biggest thing. Is the guy mentally ready to play? I think he has been since week one. Let's see him work through it and get get to his highest potential. Absolutely. And I think what is really important for the Bears as a team, the coaching staff, they made outstanding adjustments for the Lions game. They knew what they did wrong against Cleveland. You can't, you know, go five and five against a a great pass rush like the Browns had. They brought in a lot of double and sometimes triple tight end formations to help with the blocking. They dedicated to the run and so forth. So you know that the Raiders now are looking at what the Bears and Justin Fields put on tape against the Lions. And so they're going to strategize on how to stop those uh, formations and how to stop that scheme. So now it's incumbent on the Bears and Justin Fields to make their alterations, for them to make their adjustments, and perhaps, you know, we'll see more productivity from the tight ends in the pass game. Um, Last week, they did an awful lot of blocking. They were the, in essence, the third and fourth tackles on a lot of plays, but now we need them to go out there and catch some passes, open up the middle of the field, and um, and hopefully th- those will be some of the adjustments that we see because you know the Raiders uh, are already game planning on what we they saw against the Detroit Lions. Yeah, and that kind of brings me to a concern that I do have, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Not having David Montgomery in there, uh, I think will play a little bit of a role because Justin Fields, when in doubt, they can just say, all right, hand the ball to David Montgomery. Let's see what can happen. It's a great safety blanket to have. That's a great option to have when you think when you have a great running back behind you, hand the ball off, and then it takes the pressure off your quarterback from having to make all the plays. How much added pressure, if any, do you think now is on Justin Fields knowing that it's Damian Williams back there? Yeah, I think there is going to be some pressure. I mean, yeah, Montgomery was a great security blanket uh, for the quarterback and uh, and the Bears' offense as a whole. It was, and it's finally great to see them have a commitment to the run game. And then, unfortunately, Montgomery's hurt. But I think you're going to see, you know, basically the same strategy with Damian Williams. You're going to see him get. 15 to 22 carries in the game. And I think that's going to be a huge, there's got to be some productivity out of it. And the nice thing is that if Bill Lazor is calling the plays and they get some negative running plays, Bill Lazor is not going to give up on the run game. As long as the defense holds up and keeps the game close, there's going to be a commitment to this run game. And that's really important. And I think that you're going to see some also more, um, more planned fields run uh, plays, you know, uh, not just rely on him making the decision on RPOs, but also perhaps two or three designed runs for him. Uh, that That's going to be an important part of the run game too. And by the way, uh, Roy has a message for you here. I'm not sure you saw that. Oh boy. Here, the Raiders have one of our local. That's true. Nick Bowers from Catanning. Yeah. Uh, a Penn state product, a really great high school player. Uh, went to Penn state, 
really good athlete in a bunch of different sports. So there is a local connection for me in my small hometown uh, with the Vegas Raiders. We'll see if he gets any playing time. But that's that's always great to see that uh, that a kid from a small town can make it uh, in the big time, especially going to a small town like Katanning, where uh, if I said that, nobody like in the <laughs> yeah nobody in their right mind of outside of that area, if I said Katanning, would have any clue where that is. So uh, that's always great to see. But uh, getting back to what Justin Fields can rely on. One thing that you would like him to be able to rely on is the tight end position, but we're still not seeing Cole Komet take that next step. Now, whether that's because of scheme and game plan or because of Komet uh, himself, I'm not sure. I really don't know. Uh, But I I see a lot of people defending Komet saying, oh, he's becoming a great blocker and he's becoming, he's becoming an all around good blocker on this. That's great too. I love to see that. However, if you're going to use the 43rd overall pick and your highest draft pick in 2020 on a guy and you're just hoping he turns out to be a good blocker, well then we have a little bit of a we have a little bit of an issue. I have a little bit of an issue with that. So what would you like to see if Bill Lazor continues to be the play caller, Justin Fields continues to be the quarterback? Is this an opportunity to say, wow, we would love to get Cole Komet involved a little bit. We'd love for him to be a safety blanket over the middle for Justin Fields. Yeah, I I truly believe that that day is coming. I'm not sure it's going to be against the Raiders, but the the day is coming where they're going to have a game plan where they're going to target Cole Komet a half dozen to a dozen times. I think in a lot, in watching film and helping uh, Danny Shimon prepare for Bear Truth, what I have seen is when Cole Komet usually runs out on a pass pattern. He is the safety valve. He is not the intended receiver. So he's the second or third, or in some cases, the fourth option on pass plays. Now, sometimes we've we've gotten frustrated when it was obvious that he was the intended receiver and there was a uh, 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 there was a lack of connection there. I mean, in the first game, he did catch four or five passes, but since then he's averaging one one reception a game. And so there's been, uh, 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 you know, understandably some, some uh, frustration with Cole because on the plays that he has been targeted for a pass play that is 10, 15 yards downfield, there just hasn't been that, that connection. So we want to see that happen, and I truly believe that it is going to happen but um, whether it happens Sunday, you know, it, it probably won't happen Sunday. And I'm just asking Bears fans to be a little bit more patient with Cole Komet. He'll be okay. Eight catches for 59 yards. So that that's not exactly what you're looking for. And especially when half of those came in week one, that's averaging just over a little over seven yards per, per reception. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not giving up on Cole Komet because like I said before, I don't know how much of this is game planning. Uh, I also don't know how much of this is on Cole Komet. Uh, I just, I just, it keeps burning into my mind how the narrative was a couple years ago. Well, this Negi system just isn't working because they need two really good tight ends and they, everything revolves around the tight end in this offense. And if we we can't, this office just won't work because all we have is, you know, Jesper Horstead and Ben Broniker and whoever else they were throwing out there, JP Holtz at the time. So, uh, and then they go and they get Jimmy Graham and they get Cole Komet and they're just nowhere to be found. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they were t- they retained Jimmy Graham for what eight nine million dollars is one catch, one right. catch. 
Right. So uh, I, I want to know why they're not involving the tight ends more. So I, that, you know, when you see a guy like Jimmy Graham uh, only with one catch, you know, that scheme, you know, uh, yeah. just not being targeted enough. And I think it's simply because the offense has gone through a rough start and finding its identity. Here we go again with the freaking identity uh, excuse. But I do oh believe that's that's part of the problem. You know, what is heartening to see is that Fields has developed a really good relationship with Darnell Mooney. I mean, Mm -hmm. they've become really good friends. And those are, you know, that's the kind of relationship I am all for, an explosive wide receiver who can outrun anybody in the defensive backfield. So that's good. And so if that relationship continues where we're getting explosive plays out of Darnell Mooney, you know that the tight end is next to follow because there's just going to be opening openings in, against every cover two defense, almost every single high defense that is uh, 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 leaves the middle of the field open. There's just going to be all sorts of opportunities for that tight end if we continue to uh, hit on those long pass plays. So that's why I have a feeling that the tight end is going to be a part of the scheme moving forward. Uh, backing up your argument about it being scheme, Jimmy Graham one catch but three targets. So that <laughs> that, that that should that should really that speaks volumes. You know, and we're talking about that relationship that Justin Fields has built with Darnell Mooney, and that's great to see because that could be a really really exciting combination to see for the the years to come. That being said, I don't want to prognosticate too far into the future, but I love thinking long-term. And when you're a Bears fan, you have to think long-term because the present isn't always great. So let's talk about the future a little bit. If Darnell Mooney continues this trajectory and has a really great year with Justin Fields as the quarterback, and he goes on a hot streak, and he finishes with a – he leads the team in receptions even, or maybe leads the team in receiving touchdowns. Do you think that affects the Bears – viewpoint on re-signing Allen Robinson who's under the uh, uh under the tag right now the franchise tag if if Darnell Mooney emerges and says this guy can be our number one mm-hmm. we don't need to necessarily pay you 16 million dollars a year we'll go maybe draft somebody or, or bring in somebody a little cheaper to be the two do you think Darnell Mooney's ascendance could possibly impact Allen Robinson yeah, I remember taking a look at what's available free agent wide receivers next year, and there there isn't a, a really good crop available to replace Allen Robinson with a veteran. And I think that you know you can't you, you can't say that Darnell Mooney is playing great and that that Allen Robinson doesn't have some part in that. He's going to get the attention of defensive backfields, so I, you still need a veteran. Uh, wide receiver can Darnell Mooney be the number one wide receiver potentially, but I I I would I prefer to have a number one wide receiver who is a big target who can go over the middle, take some punishment, get up, and you know he's going to play 15, 16, 17 games in the season. Darnell Mooney has not proven that yet. He didn't finish his his rookie season. He still doesn't have the the muscle and body physique. Uh, and, and probably never will that you can feel confident he's going to play a 17-game re- regular season. So uh, you need A-Rob on this team next year, and if you don't uh, aren't able to sign him, I think really the, the part of the problem could be A-Rob's demands through his agent. I don't, I'm not blaming this completely on the Chicago Bears, but if, if indeed uh, they do not re-sign A-Rob, you got to replace him with some kind of a reliable veteran wide receiver who can get open and can go over the middle and take the punishment. 
And, and I don't disagree with you uh, at all. I, I want to look at this. I'm looking at this from the business standpoint, though, where if um, and we because to your point, we've seen this before. Remember when the Steelers let go of Antonio Brown because they thought that Juju Smith-Schuster was going to be the end all be all number one. And then right. it turned out whenever he didn't have a reliable number two, it didn't necessarily work out. But uh, to your point, if Allen Robinson does hit free agency. And there aren't a lot of other free agent wide receivers out. He can demand. He can demand the market then, because he can. He can say, "I'm the only game in town. I want 19 million. Someone will give it to me. I want 20 million. Someone will give it to me." And so he might price himself out of the Bears market, where they're saying, "We got Mooney." We got to try to try to allocate some money somewhere else, and maybe not wrap up everything in into Allen Robinson. And so they do let him walk uh, just because he might be demanding too much money and someone may be willing to give it to him. If he is the top of the wide receiver free agent class, he can set the market and he can set it at a very high level, given the fact that the salary cap is going to go up. So I'm not saying that they shouldn't try to keep Allen Robinson. I'm just saying that there are there are avenues there. Where there, I would see there. I would say that there's more avenues that he walks rather than stays. Whether he wants to leave, or the Bears don't want to pay him, or he gets a, a bigger offer from somebody else. I just think that there's more reasons for him to leave rather than to stay. Yeah, I totally, totally agree with you. You know, and uh, Ravi points out the Jaguars. The Jaguars still have a lot of cap space. They've got a young quarterback. A Robert would be a uh, a great. Uh, compliment to a, a, a Lawrence. Um, and so, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think at, after this season, the, the, the leverage is going to go back to a Rob because I don't think the Chicago bears will franchise tag him for a second year, because then you're talking about a $25 million one year contract. And that's a heck of a lot of money. If you can't sign him to a long-term contract where you can spread out the money over three, four five seasons, then there's just no use in uh, bringing him back. So I'm hopeful that uh, both sides are going to reach some kind of agreement and it could even happen. Well, no, the, the uh, deadline for signing uh, 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 guys who are tagged has passed. So hopefully immediately after the season, those guys can sit down and hammer out a deal. But I, I'm, I'm afraid of losing a Rob because I, I, I would love to see him help Justin Fields for the next four or five seasons of his young career. Now, the only thing that could drive down his price is that he is on a trajectory to have some of his lowest numbers in a long time because of because of maybe targets or scheme or because of targets and scheme. Uh, but uh, he he's on pace to have some really low uh, numbers. Now, that can obviously jump up in a heartbeat. Uh, but <laughs> and I, I'm just looking at the chat. Don't be a Debbie Downer on this great anti-negative. You're right. I'm sorry. I should... <laughs> <laughs> this is this is like a holiday. Uh, so, <laughs> it really is like but, a holiday. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. But uh, so, but yeah, uh, we 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 can talk about that as the season progresses. I just I just thought that you see Darnell Moody Mooney have a career day like that, and mm -hmm. what it could mean for the future of the receiving core. But that that will be that will be uh, I guess that will be determined later on after the season, which is still is not for a long long time we're still only in week five of uh, a 17 or yeah of a 17 game season mm -hmm. so although i want to present you the question that i kind of got asked in the last of my b55s was 
in all in all due respect, we kind of predicted the Bears to be two and two. You look at the schedule, they said, okay, they're going to beat the Bengals and uh, they're going to beat the Lions and they're probably going to lose to the Rams and they're probably going to lose to the Browns. Mm-hmm. All of that happened. So in theory, mm-hmm. everything went chalk as if we what we what we predicted. Now there are some nuances and some caveats and some context there that needs to go through, like having the one of the worst historical losses ever to the Cleveland Browns. But where they are now, I know that you thought this would be a playoff team. Do you still think that this is a playoff team? I do. And, you know, it's interesting because right now this Chicago Bears team is a different team than we were talking about in preseason. You know, they're the off. I mean, Justin Fields, excuse me, Jason Peters was not on this team, the left tackle, you know, a week before the season started. Right. And so uh, there's just the whole complexion of the team has changed now with Bill Lazor calling the plays. And so there's going to be more reliance on, on a rushing attack. So we're almost talking about a totally different team in the, in the preseason. It, the good news is, is that the defense appears to be back to dominating the line of scrimmage. And hopefully Akeem Hicks doesn't have a long injury and can get back in there and play some significant snaps so that we can have his power at the defensive line of scrimmage. So if we can get the defense to get closer to that 2018 defense than as opposed to the 2020 defense, then, yeah, I think, you know, at least then you've got a 500 football team. So then if you can now can add the explosive offense that Justin Fields could potentially bring, and I do believe that in the second half of the season, we may be seeing a guy tossing, you know, two, three touchdown passes a game. So there, there's a, a chance here that this team could end up 10 and seven and that's definitely a, a team combating for the playoffs so i'm still hopeful now i i know you love to <laughs> make fun of my uh... Put up the spaceship graphic <laughs> there they are the spaceships launching off the helmets i love that. <laughs> but when you went through when you went through the schedule i think this game week five is so important because if you can get to above 500 before meeting the packers and then you've got a two-game winning streak for that home game against the Packers, perhaps you can steal one. I mean, the Packers are not really scaring anybody, and the Bucks have certainly looked like they're they're not the same Bucks from the second half of last season, and we beat them last season. So there's that possibility, and then there's that Week Nine game. I'm skipping over the Week Eight game, as you know, as you noticed. But that Week <laughs> Nine game is almost a guaranteed win. I hate oh, to say boy. that. Oh, I, no, yeah. I'm going to that game, Aldo. Don't say that. <laughs> but it is possible that come uh, the bye, this team could be two or three games above 500, and that would be really, really sweet. Yeah. I'm Now, I know that I said that the, I think the running backs can hold serve, and I think they can. Uh, I don't think that where they're at right now are going to win you any games. Like I think that David Montgomery can win you games. So when I think of if there, I mean, there's never a good time for David Montgomery to get hurt, but this especially is a bad time because they're coming up on that gauntlet where they're coming up on the green bays and the Tampa bays and, and the San Francisco, then it would be great to be able to establish a run game against some of those teams. And unfortunately it might be a little bit, just, it might be all on, Justin Fields' shoulders. So, mm-hmm. uh, oh, John Smith, what a great comment! It was, let's, at least we got to lose another wild card game. Oh, I am so with you. That is the great. That is, I am so with you. I'll be there with the. I'll be there at the parade with you, tossing <laughs> out, 
you know, uh, neutral tasting candy, and we'll they'll, they'll raise they'll raise the banner that says, "Hey, we kind of were okay, 2021." I cannot wait for the parade of mediocrity, and we can just all revel in the fact that the Bears were they maximized their potential and they were pretty good. <laughs> so, and that's what they can. That's their that's the highest of their potential. Their highest potential is to be pretty good. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Let's 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 try to keep it positive, like the other guy said. Let's try to keep it positive. Uh, but um, I, I would like to have. Uh, David Montgomery in that gauntlet of the next uh, four games out of the six weeks. Uh, it's, but it's not. So we'll, we'll see. And I would love to see this team go 10 and seven. I I, I don't see it. I, I mean, I, I know where you want to downplay Tampa Bay. They don't look as good. Green Bay is not scaring anybody. Who the hell are the Bears scaring? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and I mean, it's, it's so it's they're not going to be favored. I would, they might be favored. Maybe not. They, they they might not even be favored against Pittsburgh because it's in Pittsburgh. That might be a that might be a pick'em game. So yeah. they're not going to be favored in any of the next six games. Mm-hmm. So so I mean, it's it'll be it'll be hard. So uh, I I don't know. I, I I think that it's 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 just so hard to put it. It's just so hard to get a read on this team sometimes. Really and, I, and I've and I've said that and I've said that in weeks before where it's just like I think I'm so mad at their the fact that they're consistently inconsistent. Mm-hmm. I just I, I just hate the fact that I can never get a beat on this team. I don't know what their identity is, and I hate using that word. Uh, but it's just I, we can never just get a really good feel for this team. So hopefully they can prove us all wrong, get an identity, and put be consistent with Justin Fields there and uh, Bill Lazor calling plays. Maybe they do become more consistent. Maybe and they start maximizing some of that talent they have because it's not like they have a bunch of bums. They're not a they're not a they're not a team full of tomato cans. They have playmakers on this team that can win you football games. Mm-hmm. Let's see if they can actually maximize that potential. But yep. hey, uh, it's before, probably about to, go ahead. Before uh, we uh uh say goodbye to people, uh Tareen Whitfield just posted in the chat room that uh Shane Marsaw's son uh who we've learned uh is uh has cancer went through 9 hours of chemotherapy today so we're sending uh-huh. our best wishes for everyone here at the Barroom Network is sending our best wishes to Riley Marsaw. Uh, we know you're going to come through. There's been some excellent signs uh, on his progress against this uh, terrible disease. And so uh, uh, get well real quick, uh, Riley, and get back out there in the football field and have fun. 100% all pulling for you. Thoughts, good thoughts, prayers, all of that uh, going going that way. Not to, not just to Riley, but the entire family as well. So uh, we're, we're thinking about you. But uh, although that will uh, that will wrap up this edition of Buffon 55. Appreciate you filling in again. Uh, we had a lot of good fun. We went we went off the rails here. We just switched up the entire shape of this show today, and it was fun. It's like, you know what? Chaos can be fun. So let's just, that's why we're Bears fans. We love the chaos. So do uh, you want to give us a rundown of what's going on in the Barroom Network before we get you out of here? Indeed. Uh, we've got a new past the mic coming out tomorrow where Peggy Kaczynski talks to a young woman named Annika, a teenager who is really impressing people on the golf course. And so we're going to get her take on what the challenges are of a young athlete. So that's going to be fun. And then uh, Mike North and I will be on tomorrow morning, a half hour earlier than normal. We'll be on at 9 a.m. Uh, Mike's got a business appointment later in the morning, so we'll uh, get his take. Uh, I'm sure he's going to bring up Mitchell Trubisky's name about half dozen times tomorrow, uh, but we'll get his take on what he thinks about the Justin Fields. And Mike usually has a good betting tip or two by the end of the show. So that'll be around 10 o'clock. The show starts at 9 a.m. Central. Uh, and then tomorrow night, we have Bear Truth, Danny Shimon, 
is going to focus the entire show on Justin Fields to get a look at what he did right, what he did wrong against the Detroit Lions, and maybe even go back a little bit uh, and take a look at some of that Cleveland tape. But he's identified about 10 plays that he's going to analyze for us. And so it's going to be a really good discussion about Justin Fields. And uh, that's the schedule for the next 24 hours. Excellent. And I'll just uh, let everybody know to tune in to Bear Football directly after the Raiders game. We'll give you raw emotions one way or the other. Also, to Bear Debate every Tuesday, Tyler Ellis and myself going round for round to the 10 of the hottest topics going on with the Chicago Bears. We get a little combative, but it's all in good fun. A really fun new show that uh, Aldo is a part of as well. He's the referee tearing us apart there. And of course, Buffon 55 every week breaking down the Bears' upcoming opponent. Uh, we always, always appreciate uh, everyone jumping in. And I see that someone said that my mom just jumped into the chat room here. So uh, much love to you, mom. Mama Bear there, keeping it down. Always support me. Appreciate that. Uh, so, but that will do it for this edition of Buffon 55. Like I always say, whether it's your first time or your 55th time, I appreciate you all tuning in. We'll see you next time right here on Buffon 55 on the Barroom Network.